Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, welcome to this month's podcast. And we're so glad to have you listening, watching, and we just invite you to share it with a friend. We hope it's ministering to you. Today, we want to tackle the big subject of the battle with insecurity. And if you're saying right now, well, I don't struggle with that, I don't fight with that, then maybe you're insecure because you're insecure to face your insecurities. And so uh, we all face it in various forms and degrees. And, and I'll never forget a couple years ago, uh, a, a couple had, had either text or emailed me and said they wanted to get together. They were a, a foundational couple within our church. And, it, and, and all of a sudden, the enemy hit me with, it's going to be another one of those meetings. You know what they are. Pastor, can we talk to you? Pastor, we need to come see you. Pastor, we'd like to have a meeting with you. And they come in and they sit down and they tell you that their reasons and why and that they're leaving the church. And for whatever reason, insecurity hit me strong. And this couple, uh, we went to dinner. Kim and I went to dinner with them. And we go through the whole meal and we're just enjoying and talking and hanging out. I'm like, when's it coming? When are they going to say they're going to leave the church? Well, in the middle of, uh, towards the end of the meal then, they pushed their plates aside. We'd finished eating. They said, now we want to talk on why we are here. And, and I thought, oh boy, here it comes. And in my own security, guilty. Here's what they said. They said, Pastor, you mentioned about wanting to pay off the church building. And when you mentioned that a couple weeks ago, God stirred in our hearts and we are praying and we are believing God and we want to be an integral part of that. We are praying that God would use us, God would use our business to help pay off the building. Now here was a couple that wanted to get with me to assure me how much they were for me and, and partnering with me, believing God with me, standing with me, and the enemy completely turned it around and said, they're against you. They're going to leave the church. Well, the Bible says that the devil is a liar and the father of it, and there is no truth in him. And one of the things we have to realize is when the devil lies, we just turn that thing around and we'll discover the truth. We know the truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so as we, as we believe the best and think the best about those that serve with us, that serve shoulder to shoulder with us, many times the enemy will come in and they'll say, they're not with you. They're not for you. They're against you. And maybe sometimes that happens. But I have found that most of the time, it's a lie and a deception of the enemy. And we all face those insecurities of, am I doing a good job? Am I a good leader? I, I wish I was a better leader. Did I make the right decision in that situation? Um, am, I, am, I, am I smart enough? Do I, do I have the right staff members in place? Should I, should I preach on this or should I preach on that? And, and you feel like you're, you're, you're teaching on the subject that you sense and then somebody gets frustrated, then you question yourself, should have I taught that now? And, and so we all face those insecurities in one way, shape, or form. Those insecurities can inflate and exaggerate it tells us partial truths and it lies to conceal the truth. Because if you knew the truth, then 
were afraid. If you knew who I really was, if you knew the, the challenges that I was really facing, would you love me? Would you accept me? Would you believe in me? We see throughout the Bible those individuals that had their own insecurities. You've, you've taught about it. You've preached about it. Moses said, I can't speak. I'm, I'm not an eloquent communicator. Jeremiah claims he's too young. Abraham goes, the enemy takes to the other end. Abraham says, we're too old to fulfill this plan and destiny. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm, I'm disqualified. And Gideon says, I'm from the wrong family. All of us have insecurities. It's how are you going to deal with them and how are you going to overcome them. And one of the most powerful weapons the enemy has is to disqualify us from competing. You see, if he can convince us not to go for it, not to try it, not to attempt it, then he has, he has quenched the, the vision of God the purpose of God, and the plan of God in our lives. And so insecurity can come from a, a low self-esteem. It, it typically comes from, from maybe some negative talk and feedback in our growing up years, in our, in our childhood or, or youth and teenage years, where people didn't speak good over us. They, they told us we weren't any good. They, they cut us down, and, and maybe we were picked on. Maybe we were bullied, and we started to believe the lies that people spoke about us. And so we have to overcome that, and we have to overcome our past failures. The definition of insecurity is this. It says, to lack confidence or assurance, self-doubt, uncertainty, or anxiety about oneself. Insecurity, in, in essence, is another word for fear, that we're we're afraid of what will people think of me? What will the people say? And, and in our position as pastors and church leaders, um, I always tease my, my business owners and I say, you've got 10 employees and, and you let one go and man, nine employees are affected. If we as a church leader let a key staff member go and, and, and need to make that change, we have a thousand armchair quarterbacks giving their opinions, giving how they would have done it, should have done it, should have done it, could have done it, and, and voicing and expressing their opinions. Well, here's how you know you're the leader. When you have to make the decisions that nobody else wants to make. And we face the insecurity more than anyone else because that's what we're called to do. As the leader of our organization, as the leader of our church, we make the decisions no one else wants to make. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, years ago, we'd ran Celebrate Recovery for about seven years in our church. And, and the Lord was just leading. It was a time, it was a shift in our church and our ministry. And, and I just really felt it was a time to shut down Celebrate Recovery. And I personally wasn't seeing the results. I think it's a great program but I wasn't seeing the results and the effectiveness that I thought we could do. And so I made the tough decision to shut down Celebrate Recovery. I had a leading in my heart, but I didn't totally understand what was happening. Well, here's what's unique. It wasn't a popular decision. Some people left our church because I stopped having Celebrate Recovery. But here's what happened. We were one of two churches in the city that we're offering Celebrate Recovery. When we shut it down, seven other churches started hosting Celebrate Recovery on various nights, various times, various leaders and groups. 
Well, I believe part of what was happening is we had gotten stuck in our city and by other churches launching it, other churches offering alternative nights, I believe we ultimately got more people engaged in Celebrate Recovery by me shutting it down. And so those are some of those tough decisions that you don't always understand the, the how and the why. And one of the biggest hurdles in making the tough calls in ministry is the potential number of spectators, opinions, and repercussions for our decisions. We never know what that's going to look like. We never know what the shrapnel of the decision, what the collateral damage could be from those decisions we make. Now granted, the enemy will show us every collateral damage that could be, but I have found that most of the time it doesn't go as he describes it. And when we attempt to please everyone, we end up pleasing no one. And I always challenge pastors, stick to your vision. Don't try and please everyone. The Pareto principle is 20% of the people are always going to be in opposition to you. And then I love this one. This one helped me. Uh, you might want to jot this down. 25% of the people won't like you and never will. 25% of the people won't like you, but they could be persuaded to. The other, another 25% of the people will like you, but they could be persuaded not to like you. And the last 25% is the people that will like you and stand by you no matter what. Well, too many times I'm wanting all 100% to be in that last category. Stand with me, believe with me, partner with me no matter what. Well, just know, if you have 25% in your corner, you're doing really good. Um, most, leaders, most leaders know what to do. The challenge is pulling the trigger. We know in our heart, we've talked with our spouse, we've talked with the board, we know the decision that needs to be made, but it's just not popular. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Uh, for years, we did Trunk or Treat as a Halloween alternative. And it continued to grow and to blow and to be a, a bigger, bigger, bigger event to where the, the, the last year, uh, uh, I mean, we, we maybe run on a Sunday, a couple hundred kids in our Rock Kids. Uh, we had thousands of kids showing up. And someone might say, well, man, Pastor, that's a successful event. Well, here's the reality of it. I was doing it as an outreach to the community, an alternative for our church kids, but an, an outreach to draw people in that weren't connected with church to come to church. And we did not see the bubble move one member, one count the following Sunday. Who came to our trunk or treat? All of the Christians from all of the churches would circulate and hit all of the Christian things and get all of our Christian candy. And so I made the very difficult decision that we were spending a lot of time, energy, resources, money, candy. And I said, you know what? We're not, we're not reaching more people for Christ. We're not making disciples as a result of this event. So we're going to shut it down. Wasn't popular with some. Was popular with those who were in the trenches pulling it off every year because they went, oh. but the reality is it was a good call for our church and we turned those investments and resources towards other outreaches and other events that have had greater impact. Our greatest threat as church leaders is losing people and losing money. 
If, if I make this call, if I make this decision, if, if, if I don't answer this, this church member right, are they going to leave the church and take their large tithe with us? We can never, never, ever be motivated by fear in our decision making. We have to make the call not based upon what is, is, is best for me, not based upon is, is this, right. we have to make it on right or wrong, not am I going to lose a person or lose their money. I'm going to make the decision that I know I need to make. And if that means a family leaves because I didn't do what they wanted to do, well, several things have happened. A, I've remained the leader, they're not. If I make a decision based on them, it's only going to come back and haunt me again and again and again. And some of you are caught in that trap. And you're seeing that family and that person as the source, and you're not seeing God as your source. I'm going to be really blunt. I'm talking to somebody right now. I hear it in my heart. It's not here in my notes. And, and you've got to let go and let God. Trust God to be your source. Trust God to be your answer and not that family. They have provided headache, chaos, and trouble in your life. Let them go. There you go. Amen. Now, recovery from a bad call is easier when you haven't added the God said tag to it. Years ago, we, we, tried it, we tried a Friday night service, and I, I just presented it to the people as, let's give God another net that we can fish from. And uh, after about 20 months, we realized it's not working, we're not seeing the results, and I, I started it, and I pulled the plug on it. And thank God I didn't say, thus says the Lord God. I just said, I just sense this might be a good idea. I don't know if it's a God idea, but... Be careful the way you present things because you may box yourself in from ever getting back out. The giant of insecurity is always going to stand between you and the promise God has given to you. Ambrose Redmond said this, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. You see, great leaders are willing to take great risk in order to see a great harvest. Are you willing to, to make that call, make that decision to stretch, to stretch yourself, stretch your team, and stretch your church to reach more people for Jesus Christ? And I love this. You've probably heard it said as well. It's not about the size of your faith. It's the size of the God you put your faith into. And 1 Samuel 17, 48 leaped off the page to me about seven, eight years ago. It says, And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love his confidence. I love his faith in his God. And I dare you, run at the very thing that is, is facing you. Run at the giant that is taunting you. And I, guys, I don't... I haven't done this in a podcast in a while, but I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to give you another prodding in my heart. And that is this, somebody, you've been afraid to let somebody go from your staff because you're afraid of the repercussions. I dare you, meet that head on. That employee is already thinking about leaving, planning on leaving, and I promise you, it's not going to be as big, hairy, and ugly as you think it will be. 
approach that situation and make that change. And see, we must never make a decision based upon fear. We have to run at what we fear the most. I'll never forget, uh, it's been about two and a half years ago, we had several tenants in our building and their income per month was bringing in around $18,000 per month. Our church was growing. We were ready to move into that space, but we hadn't seen that total, we hadn't seen that total amount coming in. But at the beginning of the year, I said, when their lease expires in the fall, we are going to trust God. We are going to let them know now that we're not going to renew their lease, that we are going to occupy and we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God that the growth is going to continue to happen. I'll tell you, was there some lean, mean months there? Sure there were. But we expanded and it's opened the door. We expanded our children's ministry. We expanded our lobby and it gave us more elbow room to reach more people and make it more doable on a weekly basis. So how do you make the call? Let me wrap it up with this. Number one, commit the situation to God in prayer. Commit the situation to God in prayer. And here's, here's my litmus test. If it gets brighter and hotter, it must be God. If I sit on it and it gets colder and dimmer, maybe it was more me than it was God. Maybe it was more circumstances than it was God. If it's God, you won't be able to get away from it. Secondly, pursue godly counsel of those individuals you trust, whether that's your board members, whether that's uh, pastor friends, uh, coaches or mentors in your life. There is safety in the multitude of counselors. And I believe it's important to have outside eyes. Yes, People that are involved in the scenario have a unique perspective, but those outside of the scenario have a very unique perspective. They're not as emotionally engaged and, and entrapped in the situation like maybe you are. And then thirdly, be patient. Be patient. Uh, one of my spiritual mentors said this. He said, I'd rather miss it by being too slow than making a decision too quick. If I'm going to err... I'm going to err on being too slow. Now, too slow is not six months or a year. You've, you've gone past that point of decision making. But I'm saying don't make, if some of you tend to be maybe a little hot-headed, maybe a little, a little quick to, to push the button or, or pull the lever, give yourself some time to process. Give yourself some time to get your emotions out of the situation. Remove the emotions and find the heart of God. Number four is timing is crucial. It's one thing to know the will of God for the situation. It's another entirely new thing to know the when to fulfill that next step, that call, or that decision. And so I would encourage you to utilize the natural ebb and flow of church to work in your favor. Um, my pastor, Joe Brooks in Dallas, I heard him say this years ago. He said one of the best times to make staff transitions is during the summer. People are gone, attendance is down, and people just don't care as much in the summer because they're kind of preoccupied with themselves. And so if you're making a call, making a decision to make a transition, encourage your staff if they're leaving to wait until then, or if you need to make the call, if if, if you're making the decision, if you can hold off till then, it might be best to make that transition in the summer. Number five is be intentional about the communication process. Who needs to know what 
and when do they need to know it? We need to inform the key people of the decision prior to the public announcement. And so here's my goal. By the time I make a public announcement, the core of my church should already know it's coming. Uh, most people do not like surprises. And so I want to give you a communication breakdown, just a real quick, simple thing on, on the, the process of communication. The first person, the first person on any revelation from God, new vision from God, decision you're going to make needs to be your spouse and potentially your kids, your children, depending on their age. Um, I made the big mistake of, of a large check had come in and I was so excited and I started telling different staff members and, and then I called my wife and she goes, oh, that is so awesome. Don't tell the staff yet. I'd like to use it. And I went, uh-oh, I already told the staff. And then she said this, you told them before me? And my heart was broken because she's been through the, the, the gullies and the valleys. She needs to be there for the celebrations. Your husband or wife needs to be there. If they're going to hear the bad news first, they definitely deserve to hear the good news first. And so talk to your family um, and let them know. Then I'm going to talk to my executive team, my board of directors, my lead team. Those individuals are going to know. I'm going to, I'm going to inform my elders and get them praying about this upcoming decision. The pastoral staff and then the entire church staff, the general church staff. Then I'm going to make sure that the key lead volunteers are aware. Then I'm going to go to um, uh, rock members that I would say are are maybe not in a leadership position, but they're influencers. Maybe they're givers and, and they're investors. And by the time I make a public announcement on Sunday, I have an overwhelming push. The momentum is already there behind me and the people are clapping, they're excited, and, and they're about it. And so all of the people who are followers are like, well, yeah, everybody seems pretty excited about this. We're on board. I've already got the train loaded, moved down the track, and that engine is moving, and we're saying, hey, come on, get on board. And people are like, well, yeah, it's already, it, 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 I see it, I believe it, and the people are excited, and you've created momentum. Maybe that's a, a building campaign, an expansion, adding another service. I remember when we were going to go from one service to two services, we did this by the time, took this plan by the time I announced it, and I said, we're going to go to two services, and we, we put it out there about two months. We need to build our teams. On this date, we're going to two services, and, and man, the people started to clap, and we're going to reach more people for Christ. We're expanding our influence, and there was a natural flow of momentum. Number six is be as transparent with the information as the situation will allow. When you help people understand the process to your decision, there will be greater acceptance. Address their concerns and questions before they are asked. And so there was a time that I had uh, in the beginning years of our church, I had to, to let a staff member go due to some, some poor decisions that they had made. I gave the church as much information, told them that we'd offered counseling, told them we'd offered marriage counseling, told them our restoration plan, gave as much information as I could. And in the process of a very trying, difficult situation, we lost one family member. I saw that as a win. And then number seven, leave your people with fresh vision for the next steps 
and the big picture. If you're making a tough call, give them vision for where you're going to next. If you say we're leaving this building, we're done in this lease facility, we're going to someplace new, then give them a vision for buying a building, for building a building, for buying land, for leasing a building and buying land so that you can ultimately, whatever that vision is, vision will inspire people. Too many pastors think that need inspires people. Unless it is an orphan in Africa that is skinny and is lacking in food, that need will inspire people. But people aren't inspired to buy a new roof. They're not inspired to pay utilities. Use your vision to reach your city to inspire the provision for the vision to come in. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in each and every month. I want to encourage you to read uh, What the Heck is EOS and the book Traction. It is transforming the way we do church, and we're going to be dialoguing about how we take that corporate-minded book and how we have applied that. It's probably going to be a two-parter coming up, but we're going to talk about how we have applied those principles and instilled them into our church world. Hope you're having an amazing October. We'll see you next month. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.